Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. They know the ins and outs of everywhere we're going. They will protect you. Horses, run! And they just like, <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I feel like I got a great break on a used car. <laughs> That was a great, great quote. (laughs) This is war, Marcus. He's going to the bathroom. Are you in his house, you little psycho? Get get out of there. Look, it's a giant womb. No, no. (laughs) Hi, I'm Mike Butler. And I'm Mike Field. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that for a variety of reasons was forgotten by audiences. Whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie, or maybe we don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. If you enjoy our podcast, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. How you doing? Good. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Yeah? Yeah, you know, considering, you know, the world's all destroyed, but I got a cool helicopter, a really nice loft. Bubble ship, your bubble copter? My bubble copter is awesome. Yeah, that is pretty <laughs> cool. We are, we are doing the 2013 film Oblivion. So I will get into the synopsis, then I will get into the facts, and then we'll get into what we're talking about. Then we'll tell you how why it's forgotten. Then Bo will say, hey, where you can find us, and then we'll tell you what next week's episode is. So that's what the episode's all about. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Good night. <laughs> In the year 2077, Jack Harper works as a security repairman on an Earth left. Hold on. Security repairman? Drone repairman? That's the, so he repairs the security? Yeah. Uh, 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 that's, you chose the synopsis. Jack Harper works as a, I guess, security repairman on an Earth left empty and devastated after a war with aliens. Jack has two weeks left before his mission ends and he joins his fellow survivors on a faraway colony. However, Jack's concept of reality comes crashing down after he rescues a beautiful stranger from a downed spacecraft. The woman's arrival triggers a chain of events that culminates in Jack's nearly single-handed battle to save mankind. Jack, I am Jack's failing liver. Like I kept thinking of that from, <laughs> from uh, Fight Club. Um, that's not good at all. Wow. Oof, that is, I guess that is something uh, what Oblivion is about, but not on a whole, no. That's not a good synopsis. A synopsis. Well, anyways, we'll, we'll, we'll dive into it. Oblivion has a runtime of 124 minutes. It's rated PG-13. Production budget of $120 million. Release date was Friday, April 19th, 2013. It's opening weekend. It did $37 million domestic, 89, but worldwide total is 286, $286 million. So uh, not bad. Not bad at all. Tom Cruise. And so do we. Production company (laughs) was Relativity Media, Shimon Entertainment or Chemin Entertainment, Monolith Pictures and Radical Studios and distributed by Universal Pictures. So, came out the 19th, went up against in a wide release, The Place Beyond the Pines. So, obviously destroyed that because nobody saw that movie. And it's a good movie, but that didn't do well. And also on a limited release, you had The Lords of Salem. The week after the 26th of April, in a wide release, you had Pain and Gain. The uh, Michael Bay. Dwayne Johnson cutting off hands and cooking them. Yeah. The Big Wedding and The Company You Keep. And then a limited run, Mud and Arthur Newman. And then the week before, the 12th of April, you had Scary Movie 5 and 42 in a wide release. So honestly, its biggest competition is there is no big sci-fi competition. And there's really no big action movie competition because Pain and Gain is not an action film. Not really, no. So 
yeah, I mean, Pain and Gain and then 42. Those are pretty much its, it's comp right there. Yep. Scary Movie 5, I don't think people were seeing that. I mean, they were, but... It wasn't a big hit. Yeah, I don't think it was, you know, like an airplane-style movie, like style hit kind of thing. Anyways, right. this film was directed by Joseph Kaczynski. He has done Tron Legacy, which Butler and I both love. Mm-hmm. Only the Brave, and he's... <laughs> He's doing the upcoming Top Gun Maverick, but he did the Taco Bell commercials, Wilbur Fries with Josh Duhamel. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I was just like, yes! <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorites. So, yeah. So, the screenplay was it's credited to Carl Gajdusik. I'm sorry if I said that name wrong. Mark Michael Arndt and Joseph Kaczynski. But here's the thing. Kaczynski created, this is what gonna be, was going to be a graphic novel. Right. And we can get into a little bit more detail. Never did. And then we can get into why later on. But so he gets a story credit, but he that's pretty much what he did. Then uh, Gajinsek wrote a version of the script that no, I'm sorry. William Monahan has an uncredited rewrite because he wrote a version of the script when Disney had this. Disney let it go because Di- they couldn't figure out how to make it not. Well, PG. Disney was wanted to make it PG because they were PG friendly, and um, they realized that they were cutting way too much out of it, so it would have been bad. So, the, so then Universal came in because they were the, there was a bidding war. Universal was second in the bidding war. They came in and purchased it, kept the PG thirteen. But when Disney had it, Monahan was the one who wrote it. Monahan has done The Departed. He also did the Tender Bar that just came out and Amazon Studios. So that's on Prime right now. If you want to get to check that out, uh, so he wrote a script. Uh, they kind of like threw it away and they redid. And then Michael, they brought Universal Pictures brought in Michael Arndt under a pseudonym, and he rewrote the script. And Arndt has done Little Miss Sunshine. He actually won an Oscar for that. He also was nominated for an Oscar for Toy Story three, and he did The Force Awakens uh, part of it. Um, so, so it's kind of like his rewrite of a script that was done that they didn't take. So it's it's all over the place. Right. Anyways. Um, but real quickly, the original writer Kajusic did the November Man and the Kingsman, the one the one that just came out. Uh, cinematographer was Claudio Miranda, who's uh, won an Oscar for Life of Pi. He also was nominated for an Oscar for The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. He also did Tomorrowland Butler, an episode we did hey. many, many, many seasons ago. Uh, so the composer is actually there's there's three credits here. It's Anthony Gonzalez, M83, and Joe Trapanese. Gonzalez and M83 are the same thing. The M83 is a French rock group. Mm-hmm. Based, they're based in LA now, but Gonzalez is part of that. So they are responsible for a lot of the synth music in there. And they cre- they together created the score, which is a pretty good score um, in the movie. Um, so there's another, it's just like another kind of like amalgamation of, of one role composer. And there's like three or four different people doing it. Right. Um, so Trapanese has done, if I said that name wrong, I'm sorry, but he has done the Raid Redemption, the Raid 2, and the Greatest Showman. This is edited by Richard Francis Bruce, who was nominated for three Oscars, Air Force One, Seven, and the Shawshank Redemption. And you have a bunch of producers. You have Peter Sherman, who's, the, who's nominated for an Oscar for Ford versus Ferrari and Hidden Figures. He's also responsible, or he also produced the Fear Street trilogy that's on Netflix, which I, I, should, I should take back what I said when we had our beer before this, mm-hmm. when I said, like, you know, not all the stuff on Netflix I really love, but Fear Street is actually pretty good. So the you trilogy. Really like you, should, you should watch you. You like the same kind of horror stuff I like. Yeah. You would like Fear Street. Right. You like the whole trilogy thing. It's actually a nice callback um, to, uh, to you know, those type of horror Film films. Yeah, then, yeah. You would like it. Uh, you also have Dylan Clark, who produces, who's done the Planet of the Apes trilogy, the new one, and the the Batman that was out. I have mm-hmm. not seen the Batman. Butler has. He loves it. Mm-hmm. Duncan Henderson also produced Master and Commander, which was nominated for an Oscar. He also did The Program and Deep Blue Sea. And then Barry Levine, who's done Detroit Rock City, Hercules, uh, the one I think that was in the early 2000s, maybe. 
it wasn't the animated one. It's the actual live action one. Is that the, the one, one with, with the rock? Is he in that? He played Hercules. He's Hercules. Yeah. Oh, I never saw that. Yeah, you did. We I did. It. No, we didn't. Wait, yeah. you, Dwayne Johnson. Dwayne Johnson. We watched it. Oh, who's what, what was the one that Carl Urban was in? Not Urban or who's not Carl Urban? What was the one where the wrestler was in? It was. I thought that was the Hercules, or was that the other Conan they did? That was the other Conan. Oh, okay. That's not Carl Urban. Who's that? That was uh, Jason Momoa. Jeez, man, I'm getting old. <laughs> I don't remember seeing Hercules. Yeah, we watched. I it. did. Yeah, I was thinking about that a few weeks ago. I was like, I don't think I've ever seen a Butler. Are you sure it was me? You watched. I have it, yeah. no recollection of this film. I I remember it, and I was like, it wasn't bad. Right. I don't really remember. After it. this podcast, we're gonna watch the trailer, and I want to see if I remember it. And he also did the uh, Levine also produced the Five Bloods, which was on um, Netflix as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spike Lee film. All right, so this movie, uh, what's up? Spike Lee Jones. He doesn't do me. films. All right, fine, whatever. <laughs> I like Spike Lee. That's great. Uh, so you know. We all told you that Tom Cruise is in this movie, but I got a question for you, Butler. Yeah. He plays Jack, Jack Harper, Tech 49, Tech 52, whatever. Right, right. Tom Cruise has been nominated for three Oscars. Can you name in the movies? Um, Don't look it up. Is one of them Jerry Maguire? That's one. The other one is... I always get the name of it wrong. Uh well, if you want to explain the movie to me, I can help you. I'll take that. He's like the self-help guy. Magnolia. Magnolia. Yep, that's two. What's... I say Steel Magnolias. I know. I always, Steel Magnolia. Make sure. No, I don't. It, that's why no, I try not to say Dolly the Parton is not rushing to get him that's, orange juice because he's having a, going a diabetic shot. Uh, and then the other one. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. Now, I will say that I got the movie wrong when I, when I was thinking about it. I always thought he was nominated for another film. And I was like, oh, darn it. I thought it was that one, but it wasn't. So is it Rain Man? No, no. that's what I thought. Okay. And I just totally forgot. But no, <laughs> no, it's not it. But I, Do, I can give you a line from the movie. From the movie. The other movie yeah. I'm getting wrong. Yeah. The, okay. the, this is my penis. The eyes wide shut. No. no Born on the 4th of July. Oh, yep. Okay. <laughs> when he's pulling. Oh, up. I knew yeah. that too. You did, no, you didn't know it because did. you didn't say it. I, I what kind of Tom Cruise fan are you? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, those are the three films he was nominated for an Oscar. I don't know, Phil. You think he'll ever? You ever think he'll have another one? I think he likes action movies now. He's really good at action films, and we can get into that a little bit. Uh, I know he's a bit, you know, off the deep end a little in some and some aspects of his personal life. But we're talking about the films. Morgan Freeman plays Beach. He was nominated for a billion Oscars. But he's been nominated for five Oscars and was won one. I uh, was nominated for Street Smart, Driving Miss Daisy, Shawshank Redemption, Victus, and Million Dollar Baby, which she won the Oscar for. Olga Kurilenko as Julia. She plays Julia Harper, Jack's, uh, as the synopsis likes to say, <laughs> uh, beautiful, stranger. beautiful Stranger. It's actually Jack's wife. <laughs> but anyways, um, she's in Black Widow, Quantum of Solace, which Butler knows, mm-hmm. and Vampire Academy. Andrea Riseborough plays Vicka, or Victoria, but they call her Vicka throughout the entire thing. She's in Birdman. The Death of Stalin, Mandy, and the 2020 The Grudge. Uh, that nobody watched. <laughs> I, I, honestly, when I saw The Grudge, I was like, oh, man, I forgot that came out. But then I remember the I remember the poster and I remember the trailer where the hand comes out of her, her head. Yeah, yep. yeah. So I did remember that, but that is it. Because uh, I don't lasted, think I saw it. I think it lasted a week in our theater. Yeah. I'm going to get this guy's name wrong. Uh, basically, Jamie Lannister is in this. <laughs> Nicholas Coster. There you go. He plays Sykes. He's from obviously Game of Thrones. Uh, he's in The Other Woman, Wimbledon, and Black Hawk Down. Melissa Leo. Also in, did you oh, ever watch ahead. New Amsterdam, the show he was in, where he couldn't die? No. 
Uh, and he lived forever and he no. always lived in New York. No. It's a pretty decent show. It was an interesting concept. Is this a Fox show? It was a Fox show. Then it probably lasted, what, eight episodes? It lasted canceled? about half a yeah. season. There you go. Good old Fox. <laughs> Melissa Leo as Sally. She was nominated for an Oscar for Frozen Rivers, but she won as well for The Fighter. She's also in Prisoners and a Righteous Kill. She's really good in The Fighter. Oh, yeah. Well, she won the Oscar for it. So the Fighter might know. be a good forgotten cinema movie. No one ever talks about that. Well, we could talk about it. Sure. No problem. Christian Bale. Father Stu, I mean, uh, Mark, Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> uh, Zoe Bell is Kara. She, now, these, she's in the background. She, she has, you, if you don't know her and you see her, you're like, oh, she looks familiar. But like, she has no lines in this movie. She like, does a smile and a nod. Yeah. Mm. So she's in Death Proof. She also, she's in basically all Quentin Tarantino films. And she's in the movie Whip It. And then Tom Cruise's daughter's in this. Really? Uh, Suri Cruise is in this. She plays the little girl at the end. So, you know. Mama, what was that? Way to go, nepotism. Yeah. Get them jobs. <laughs> All right. So that's it. Those are the facts. We really need to do some justice for this synopsis, but we'll probably we probably need to explain a little bit more as we go through what we're talking about this film. Uh I'm pretty positive that we both love this movie or we both like this movie. Mm-hmm. But I did have some questions watching it. Okay. I did have some things that popped up that I was just kind of like, hmm, well, what's going on here? But <laughs> Where would you like to kick off um, your overall thoughts or did it change for you upon your second rewatch or third rewatch? Uh, I don't know. I still really liked it. I mean, obviously, once you find out the twist, I think it's kind of like you watch it and it's just like watching it the first time, I think, is better than watching it. Like you watch Sixth Sense and it's got the twist and you watch it. You can watch it over and over and pick up on new things each time you watch it with this film without the twist. I think that does hurt the film a little bit. Watching it again, I don't feel like it's a twist coming, maybe because obviously it's there. I don't know if I've ever thought it was a twist. I always thought that something was reveal, off. But it's not, yeah, yeah, it's not a twist. It's not like the M. Night Shyamalan twist. Right. I just, it was always something was off. And what we talk about all the time is the voiceover. Right. And how, you know, I, I'm not a huge fan of voiceover, but I kind of, I, I like it here. For a couple of reasons, it it I'm okay with. It sounds like it. I'm okay with it. It right. has to explain the movie. It has to set it up. That have to do flashbacks and stuff. Right. The past happened. Which yeah. is yeah. Which they do kind of, and we can get into that. Some of my thoughts there, but also the fact that he's an unreliable narrator, not because because he doesn't know. Right. Because right. he really doesn't have the facts. He's giving you the facts that the Tet has told him about. Yeah, he's doing what he, as far as he knows, here's where the, here's what's going on. Right. In the world. So I kind of like that. Um, it's an unreliable narrator, and uh, you know, he's setting up the world, but the world is not what we think, and we have to learn it along with him. Yeah, we so, him right. So, yeah. right. So I thought that was interesting. I will say that just to kind of flash to the end. I don't know what's going on with the voiceover at the end, because I while I like what he's saying, I love the poem he's reading mm-hmm. or the lay, as it's called in the in the ancient Roman book. Right. I'm like, who is this? Who is talking? Is it Tech 52? Is it dead Jack? He knows he has a kid. I don't understand. Like, it, I just didn't understand because when it first starts. Oh, it's Tech 52 at the end. Yes. Yeah, but sure. but he says. He talks about the child. Does she know who I am? How does he know he mentions the kid in the voiceover? You know, will she remember my face? Like stuff like that. Like the child. She meant he mentions that. Does he? Mention yes. That? And I was like, how does he know he has a kid? You know, like well, he might have seen her. From I, I don't know. He's going to finally find the house. Well, here's the other thing, too. I did. I don't know if that was part of the poem or that was him 
or that was, you know what I mean? So I didn't go back and look. I just, there was some confusion on my part towards the end because initially I was like, oh, it's tech 52. But then I'm like, wait a minute, I don't know what's happening. So that might be me. And that's completely uh, possible. But I just, it was confusion for me at the end. That's all. I always just thought it was tech 52. I did too. I'm <clears> trying <throat> to find, you know, his wife. Right. Cause he's got his memories back. Well, my, here's my other question. What about all the other Jack Harpers out there? Are we going to have a situation where we have Agent Smiths everywhere and they're just going to be like trying to get with Julia? Essentially, yeah. Yeah, that's a little weird. Only one Julia. (laughs) (laughs) But you have to imagine some of those Jacks are going to die. You think they're not going to accept the... Some of them probably won't accept it. Right. The ones that are far too far away, far too disconnected. We'll stay with Vika and try to, you know, stop the scavs. Well, we should you should explain. Because that synopsis stunk. So Jack Harper and and Vika or Victoria... We're astronauts who got sucked into the Tet, who's, which is an alien species or alien robot who comes down to different planets and sucks up all the natural resources and goes. He, they clone Jack and Victoria to one, be an army at the very beginning of the invasion. Right. And then to become security forces and drone repair people, not security repair. She, he, he repairs these drones that go around and protecting the water siphons, the carbon dioxide things, anything that's going to suck up natural resources from the earth. Right. So there's a bunch of Jack and Victoria's that are separated by these radiation zones, which is their jurisdictions basically. And they're told, don't go past them. Or you're going to die. These are your only safe space you can be so that Jack doesn't run into another Jack. Right. And they have their memories erased, obviously. Right. So they think the Tet is the space station where people go before they go to Titan. Cause people are going off world. Well, and my question about that is, is, is their life expectancy five years? Because at five years, that's when the cloning kind of, that's when Jack kind of breaks off from his, his own clone. I would imagine at some point that's when they get too much of a personality, independent, their own personality. Right. And at some point you have to come up with a reason why they're still there. Right. So they, she probably has them fly back to the tech hooks them back up into the clone vat or whatever. Well, they probably just put another one breaks out. out. Yeah, yeah, breaks yeah. out the organic matter and sends another two out. But they always think they're the only two that are on the Earth. Right. And everything else is a radiation zone. But when, in fact, those are just other Jacksons, Vickas, yeah, just kind of like doing their thing. And but Vickas- Victoria is still, even in, in the other reality or the other radiation zone, when Tech 49 Jack visits it, uh, 52's Victoria, she's still just as set in like, no, I don't want to leave. Well, I, I think that's, stay. that's something they put in there. I think that's from the Tet, from the aliens that Vika is programmed to, to always be the one that it follows orders. Well, she follows orders, but I also got that even back in the day, she had a thing for Jack. Oh, that's evident, which is probably why she doesn't want to leave. She wants that life with Jack, right? That she couldn't have in the real world. Right. And that's kind of always in the back of her head as to why she doesn't want to go up, why she wants to stay as long as she does. And that also goes to what exactly does the Tet or the aliens that are running the Tet know about human physiology and human emotions? Do they understand that they just happen to pick the 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 sole two people that one likes the other, but the one, you know what I mean? But, and so they can use that. It's a little bit of a convenience. It is a convenience, but I think they could have figured out a different way if they got it. But I think, you know, Ted or Sally, as she's called, is the voice of their operator as they know it, knows that this is happening. So uh, she could probably set it up a different way, have them be strangers and hope that they, you know, like each other enough to work together. Right. But it's just easier because of this. And it's like, oh, well, that's a fortuitous situation. Yeah, Sally is played by Melissa Leo, and she's when they go to the flashback to when Jack's flying the bubble jet into the Tet to blow it up, 
at the end, he puts the flight recorder on of the original. What are they flying? Discovery? Is that what they call it? Discovery. Yeah. yeah they're flying to investigate. Whatever. To, uh, the ship that they're going. Yes. To investigate the Tet. So he's listening to the flight recorder and then you kind of find out what happened. So basically... They, Melissa Lee, you see her as Sally there and she's from Mission Control. So they just used her a familiar face. She just used the recording and kind of like replayed it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So she can make her own stuff. But one of the things that I was asking myself when, when it was happening or when, when they're in the Odyssey and they're going towards the Tet, they're awfully calm going to this giant thing has just showed up at Earth, done nothing, but. They had a mission where they were going to fly to Titan to whatever, populate. Check out Titan. Now, here's the thing. This is 60 years ago that this has happened. 2017. Right. Which is in our future four years. Four years. Movie this movie's out. made in 2013, shot in 2012. So I think that four years from now, we're going to we're Titan. We're going to Titan? So I'm like, okay, <laughs> fine. Fact, it's 2022, and we still have gone back to the moon. Fine. Okay. But when they're approaching this, clearly this structure that they have no idea what's happening they are very calm going they towards it. They are very calm. And I don't understand. Hey, thanks for that wake-up call. No, don't tell me about the football game. And meanwhile, this thing is looming like the Death Star over there. But that's the other thing. Thanks for the wake-up call. Let's wake up these two people. Why are the other people in cryosleep? You you didn't get stopped on your way to Titan. You were going to Titan. This thing showed up and they said, no, we're going to go investigate this thing. Why is everyone else in cryosleep? This thing is right above the Earth. Why can't these people be awake? So It's not was, right above the Earth yet. Where was it? It's, it's, at, it's around Titan. At this oh, point, the tech's still I'm around sorry. Titan. I'm sorry. I thought it was sitting above Earth. No, no, no. At this point, it was still around Titan. Ah, okay. Never mind then. Then, <laughs> then, then that makes a complete sense. Never mind. Then that probably went there. But still, why wouldn't you wake them up from cryosleep? At that point, I mean, you're close enough. I always probably thought it was like, just hey, on Earth. I thought it was just go. at Earth. No, it's by Titan. So was it sucking up Titan? Oh, I don't think so. I well, think it was just on its way to Earth and trying to like figure out, maybe it was scanning Earth, figuring out like what formulating a plan on how to take it over i don't know if that's it, why do i get the why do i have in my head the ship approaching tet and earth's below it why do i have that in my head because it's that's, that's supposed to be is. titan that's how it is when he's in the helicopter or the omnicopter or whatever the, the bubble jet yeah the <laughs> bubble jet. But yeah he, it is near titan or another moon you can see the other okay. something in the background but it's not it's not Okay. All right. Well, then I'm wrong. That sucks the two of them up, and he sends the Odyssey or Discovery, whatever it is, sends the living quarters portion over back in Earth orbit where it'll stay. But it's just stuck in orbit because obviously Earth got ravaged, so no one came to collect them. No, then that doesn't. No, that's that. That doesn't make any sense. How does that doesn't make sense? <sighs> Hang on. They're in Titan, so he sends that part. It's on autopilot to go back to Earth. Hang on, I have to look because it's, <laughs> I because I, I, I fucking confused now. Bring up HBO Max. <laughs> All right, you're right. All right. It's programmed for insertion into Earth orbital flight command module at flight breakthrough. All right, that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> Knowing you, you'll keep the whole fucking thing in there. So <laughs> no, because it conf- it was confusing. Although you know, this goes along with. Uh, did you read that the National Public Radio program Fresh Air with Terry Gross? Uh, David Edelstein admitted he had such a hard time following the plot in this movie, he had to go online for the answers to some of his questions. That's embarrassing. Confused, everything will be made clear. Not in the movie itself, which is the most incoherent piece of storytelling in years, and had me crying what, what, over in the din of explosions, which there aren't even that many explosions. It's not a huge action movie. It was Wikipedia's oblivion entry that spelled out what was going on in the final flashback. In other words, other people knew what was going on, you dumb, dumb person, and figured it out for you. It's just so dumb. 
How are you not following this movie? It's not hard to understand. But you, but the other thing is, if you're a critic, why don't you? Shouldn't you watch it again? Shouldn't you watch a movie more than once? No, I went, I went right to the uh, Wikipedia. Yeah, no, nah, I, I, I didn't understand that. Why? I read that too, and I mean, it. I can understand if you can get confused. That fine, but like, wouldn't you go back and and here's the thing: once you go and read the notes. Right. Wouldn't you go watch the movie again to see like, okay, maybe I'm just, maybe I missed it. Right. You know, maybe it wasn't, I was not paying attention. Let me, sure. Let me see it again. And then you could make a judgment like, you know what? No, it's not explaining it enough for me. Like, so that's stupid. Yeah. But uh, I, I saw that. Then I saw his photo. He's a bit of an older man, so he might just not be into those type of films. One of my notes on Vicka is that she's a stage five clinger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. So she didn't have fun doing this movie. I saw that. So one of my facts or what I, I noticed was she was doing a interview and they asked her what her worst job ever was. And she said either shredding duck in a Chinese restaurant or oblivion. And I can't find anywhere else where she doesn't like where she anything. said, talked about how bad she hated oblivion. And I'm just like, well, why? Yeah. I want to know why. I, I don't get that because everything else you see, like there are a couple of interviews with people who've worked with Tom Cruise. To say he's really, really, you know, involved in the movie making process and takes it very seriously, but that's it. But they're like, oh, but we com- I commend him for like yeah. he takes it really. I never, seriously. I never it's get like, a wow. negative sense from him. Yeah, on and other set. people said they really like working. With and him, yes, so. we know, we know about the yelling about the, oh, the COVID but, thing, but we actually are okay with that because let's be honest, how many times did he tell the crew? And tell pe- certain people, put your mask that on. That was not their first right. infraction. That, so. He did not just come down and just start screaming and yelling because he just felt like at one time. Clearly, that was like, I'm sick and tired of having to tell you people. And he was, I'm sorry, but like, it's, you know, when people yell, it happens, but it's not necessarily 100% wrong that it happens. Right. So, no, we are, no, I've never heard, uh, I don't, listen, aside from the Scientology stuff. Let's put that away. Let's put let's put all that stuff to the <laughs> side. That 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 kind of that's because I know that always comes up when people talk about Tom Cruise. Yes, I know he, it's a weird thing, and it's I don't agree with any of it. But I've never heard a bad thing about him on set. No, most people yeah. seem to like talking to him and right. like right. his company and stuff. Right. That's yeah. I, I I don't like the the when he started like jumping on couches. I think it was, he it was this movie or it was during it was before because this is this movie was during his divorce. Divorce, right? Him. So when he was doing that, that's when. That's when his he fired his publicist. His publicist quit, and his sister became his publicist. She clearly should not have been doing that job because she was <laughs> not doing what she needed to do. So, yeah. But then, what if that stuff never happened? You know what I mean? I don't think I don't right. think people would have ever had that issue in terms of Tom Cruise. You no, know what I mean? It would never yeah. come up. That's not to say that he's not. You know, into some into, yeah. Stuff. He's clear. Yeah, it, that stuff is just whatever. Uh, that's not the. This is not the podcast for that. That that could be. A, go watch Leah Re- Remini show on uh, wherever it is. For me, I don't care. Whatever, whatever <laughs> the show is, I don't care what it's called or where. where I, I can't. Is. I can't. Does she know my name? Who? What does it matter? Uh, does it is matter? She, is she not a fan of? Uh, she doesn't listen to Forgotten Cinema. You don't know that. I, mean, I know that. <laughs> so, would you have liked Jessica Chastain in this role? Sure. She had to leave, though. She had to leave because of scheduling conflict. Well, she had to leave because she got cast in Zero Dark Thirty, and she had to ask Tom Cruise to get released from her contract so she could go do that movie, and he did, and then she has publicly thanked him for that, for, for letting her do that that's film. That's a much bigger... That, that well, that's a starring role. Career, that's a, yeah. yeah, if she was playing... Julia, she, she was going to play Julia. That, I mean... 
I mean, the, the character's fine, but it yeah, the Zero Dark Thirty role is a much better role. Yeah, there's nothing that you're gonna really remember. Like, no one's saying I'm not saying Oru Kalenko didn't do like a good job, but yeah, there's nothing in that. It's not her movie. It's not, yeah, it's, it's his not, movie. Yeah, with Zero Dark Thirty, it's, it's her, her movie. movie. Yeah, when you think about the movie, think of her. Right. So. She is like up until the point in Zero Dark Thirty when they go to go after Osama uh, bin Laden. It's basically just her. And exactly. It, yeah. 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 She's the one that's she's the one that's pushing forward. She's the one that's. You know, she's the hard ass in the film, and she's the one that's, you know, that Zero Dark Fairy is a really good film. Yep. The alternate title for this film, Butler, was Horizons. I saw that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, Oblivion's also not a great, like, it's an okay title. I mean, it's the end of the world, so I guess it's Oblivion. But, okay. Well, well why don't we talk about the graphic novel stuff? So, this was going to be a graphic novel by Kaczynski. He was re- talking to, it was originally an eight page treatment that the director Kaczynski pitched to radical publishing as a graphic novel. This was back in 2007. Yep. And he actually wrote a sample chapter of the, of the novel, which went out at, right. It was a handout. It was a free handout at 2008 San Diego comic-con. And for how, whatever it happened, it made it into Tom Cruise's hand. He read it and he approached Kaczynski about working on a movie version. So Mm -hmm. basically he's like, listen, let's try to do this. And then from there, he started developing it as a feature. And then, you know, Disney wanted it. Everybody wanted it. Everyone, Cruise was attached. It was going to be his, uh, he, I think he hadn't done a sci-fi film in a while since like Minority Report. This would or, have been the first one since Minority Report. Because then after Oblivion, he did Edge of Darkness, Edge of, which uh, is tomorrow. Live, Die, and Repeat. Edge of Tomorrow. It should be just called Live, Die, and Repeat. Well, that's what it's called. <laughs> the sequel's called Live, Die, Repeat, and Repeat. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So it was... Edge of Tomorrow, right? I'm sorry. Uh, what did I say? Edge of Darkness? Edge of Darkness. That's the one with uh, Mel Gibson, right? The remake of yep. the British one, which yep. the British one's actually pretty good. Uh, the Mel Gibson one's all right. Uh, so, yeah. So, so that's, so that's, it was going to, so it never really was a graphic novel. It never really was like, it, it never was, ended up because he right. didn't want to release it at the same time to spoil the film. And he has since said that it was kind of just part of the process of, you know, writing the movie. Like it was just like a process in the, the writing process. It's how the process in yeah. the writing process. That ended up making say. a whole movie out of it. I mean, I would, no, I would yeah. take the movie. I, graphic novels, not a good consolation prize. Like I got a movie <laughs> out of it. That's well, I won. I think they did release a version coinciding with the movie, but I don't know if it was like him doing it or somebody else. Probably doing at that it. point, yeah. it was just like, you take it. <laughs> I've got a Tom Cruise movie coming out. Sometimes we kind of dive into the acting. Let's talk about the acting. Uh, do you, we both like Tom Cruise in this, correct? Yeah, I think he does a really good job. Okay. What about, do we like uh, Riseboro as Julia? No. Not I Julia, think, I'm sorry, as Vicka. Vicka? No. You don't but like think, her? But I think that's because she does a really good job. You're not but supposed like to you like said, her. Stage five clinger. Everything she does is so against what you want Jack to be doing. It, like she's right. holding Jack back and you can clearly tell. A, you can see his frustration and you can see how much he doesn't like to be in this fake relationship that something's wrong that he wants to be out there and like as soon as she drops the flower off the oh that was tough off yeah. the roof it's like screw you lady so he's like he's <laughs> watering this flower which they shot it at uh earl's peak in iceland which is two thousand feet high and they had the only way you can get there is by helicopter you knew tom cruise is all for that so they like to transport the crew the camera him you know the, everything up there it was they had to like fly him up there so he's watering this plant brings it back shows her because he wants he she's not she never comes down regulation says she can never leave the high hide or wherever they live right and so he's always like oh you gotta come down it's beautiful you gotta come down and take a look at it and like she he gives her the flower she just walks off and throws it off the balcony yep so it's just so like ooh. Emotion. yeah it's just like uh, uh. 
So you, at that point, you're just like, ugh. so but it's also once you realize. Kind of why she's doing it or. What happened to them, I feel a little worse for Tech 52, Vika, when you see her again after the first one died. Oh, they never tell you what happens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you see Tech 52, Vika, and she's just like, hey, how you doing? You know, I can't go down there. And she's again, clearly in love with Jack, clearly a stickler for the rules. And this Jack is saying, come down with me again. He's trying to give her another chance. Yeah. And she won't break away again from that. And he's like heartbroken. And I think that's another great scene with Tom Cruise is like, he can't really tell her what's going on because she's so in with Sally. But like, he's just heartbroken. The fact that Vicka can't won't can't and won't come down with him. Can't he can't save her. Right. Without ruining it, it for Julia and the rest of the scabs slash survivors. Right, right, right. Because Jack technically never talks to Sally. Uh, he doesn't. He never, right. The, the first yeah. time they ever talk was when she boots herself up on the. Uh, hey, Jack. Department. Yeah. I know we haven't really spoken before. Yeah. <laughs> Are you an effective team? <laughs> you know we are. <laughs> no, Sally. <laughs> Vicka, you don't know what you're doing. And then the drone. I like that. I like when the drone and the, the drapes catch on fire because the drone's obviously yeah. hot. The gun's hot from firing. He's, in with, he's, just, he's just covered in the ashes. Of that. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about the ashes because it was like, it's not quite like the dust from War of the Worlds. And it's not like the feathers from Avengers Infinity War. It's like a little similar, like a bit heavier to read. Like, I'm just yeah. one. Like, so do you think Avengers saw that and was like, let's do something like that, except it's more feathery. And like, like, I didn't understand the, like the concept of what was uh, happening. Avengers probably wanted to be more of a Disney-ish kind of like, you got to really ash them up. But what's Oblivion less, doing to these people? Like more like wood ash, more like okay. paper, like. It's got layers. It's got like a texture to it because when it spreads across and then the air hits it and it really like chunky kind of goes across. Yeah. But they're also inconsistent with it because some of the scabs get hit and they blow apart into blood. Some of them get oh, hit and right. the head pops off. So it's like the weapon damage that it does is very inconsistent. Oh, I didn't catch the head stuff that was inside. It was inside. It shoots one of the scabs and its head pops up and rolls. But it's got the mass. So obviously, oh, when Jack right. sees it, he thinks it's an alien head, but it's just... But also the, when you first see the scabs, they're running on all fours. Yeah, I didn't get that. It's like. And then you realize they're humans. It's like, well, so what? Why, how, how, why and how were they running on all fours like yeah. that? Yeah. Just to confuse the drones. The drones know they're humans. Yeah. I thought that was a little convenient for the plot. Okay. Like when, um, what's his face? Book goes, you know, we had to hide, beach, modulate beach. beach. We had to modulate our voice right. to hide from the drones. No, you didn't. You did that as a plot device so that Jack didn't know you were all humans. I just kept, I kept thinking they were like yeah, Jawas. So like Tuscan Raiders. Yeah, sure. yeah. Ooh, yeah, sure <laughs> doing that stuff. Well, we were talking about this. We got off and we got away from we're talking about Vika, but you know, in terms of the acting, what did you think of Olga Kurilenko as Julia? I think we kind of talked about it. She's fine. She's fine. She's fine. She doesn't. Well, she doesn't have anything. How about the character instead of her that. instead of her performance right. instead of her acting performance? How about the character of Julia? Let's give me that's better a question. I don't like that we don't get more with Julia and Jack, either in the past or in the present. You don't, they don't have a chemistry, right? And Jack and Victoria do have a bit of a chemistry because we see more of them together. Mm -hmm. uh, we see Jack really wanting Victoria to come with him, mm -hmm. whereas. Julia is already all for going up and teaming with Jack. Mm -hmm. So you never really get this build up or this team up or this connection. You get that flashback 
this disjointed flashback on the rooftop of New York City that's kind of spoken about what happened and you see it in flashback. Those are like flashback memories he's having. Yeah, I, I think it would have been better if we got that scene complete like we do kind of with the flashback to what happened with the Odyssey or the Discovery when they're going to the Tet. Show me what happened on the rooftop. Show me them as a loving couple and him proposing to her because I don't think we get a good sense of connection there the thing with back with to the flashback of of the what happens with it's actually discovery i've written down discovery here i think Uh, so but back to that scene uh he takes the flight recorder but did julia ever listen to it she doesn't know does she know what happened like oh did she listen to it so we talk about i think i've talked about this the the last week's episode a week before just if i don't see it on screen i'm not so i i can't pretend to believe it you know what i mean i need to you need to show me like I need to see that she re- listened to it because if I don't see that she listened to it, then I think that she has no idea what happened. Now he only knows what happened. He didn't leave the flight recorder with her. He took it with them. Well, he knows what happens because Beach tells him. No, he knows what happens in in the um in the shuttle, like the moments. He knows the moment to moment. Right. Yeah, but I mean, even but she doesn't because Beach told him what happened in general. But here's the, the only thing she doesn't know is why she was. But don't you think she would like to hear the voice of the original Jack Harper? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But I think Jack wants his memory back. He wants to be complete. Right. As he, he wants to be as close to the original Jack Harper as he can. So when he goes to take his revenge, it's his Jack Harper, not as Tech 49. Well, a couple other things with Julia. She plays it really calm when for seeing her husband who doesn't, who doesn't know her and doesn't act like he doesn't know her. And she's, she, he's with another woman. Yep who she may probably consider as a friend, but who knows? We don't know, mm-hmm. but she knows her. She sees the situation happening. She knows it's 60 years later. Obviously she's confused because they're not old. So she takes it really well. She does. She doesn't give up a lot. She keeps everything very close to the vest, which is weird. Yeah. She's never real. Yeah, she's never really emotional. And I would think wouldn't, I mean, and I would think that she would be emotional. She wouldn't be able to control her emotions, but if that's not her character, understand, I understand that. But I've never shown that. Right. I've never. That's never presented to me. I'm just. I just have to guess and be like. So I guess that's type. That's the type of character Julia is. She's super yeah. guarded. All right. right. Yeah. And then the other thing. This isn't really Julia. This is Beach. When he lets when Jack and Julia get uh, picked up by the the scavs, mm-hmm. and then he lets them go. Beach lets them go because he wants him to find out what's on the other side. Right. Of the he will, go yeah. look. Go look. And then the guy asks him, what makes you think he's different? And he's like, she does. You haven't had one conversation with Julia. We haven't seen one scene where Julia meets the other scavs or the other humans. We, yep. there's no, we, we see nothing to give me any indication why you believe that, Beach. So I don't, again, I don't understand that. I didn't get that either. Because then when he's told later on why he believed Jack was the real Jack, it's that he saved Julia and he had that book. Right. Not that julia trusted jack right right so he changes his reason so that that, yeah so so it's almost yes agreed so that's almost like this is a good line to use but it doesn't it we're not going to really we're not going to really justify this line later on because we've already got dialogue written (laughs) (laughs) it just sounds good just say this right i mean and still i don't think these are nitpicks because i do think that these go to motivations these go to character motivations that we're talking about but again it doesn't make me not like the film. I like the film. I, I, you know, there's a lot of stuff in the movie that I like. Oh no, it's good. It's just, yeah, there's certain things that, you know, kind of hold it back a little bit. Right. There's maybe, I mean, it, it made its money, but maybe why maybe it's not so 
like not everybody always, Oh, I love oblivion is because maybe there was a moment there's probably like 10, 15 minutes where we're just a little confused because uh, some character motivations are not set up properly. And, and there's, there was no basis for what's happening. So we were lost. Yeah. For me, it's not so much the confusion as the convenience of certain things. Happening. Right. They just seem to have to happen. So the plot can continue. Oh yeah. The way that it's set up to. Right. Right. Uh, well, I mean, we, we've gotten negative a little bit, so let's we're, we're handling some characters. So, and those are only like with the exception of Beach as well. Four main characters, you know, it's a small cast. Yeah, it's not like a big, giant sci-fi so, yeah. epic, which is nice because you don't get a lot of those really personal kind of sci-fi movies into a big budget. You get those a lot of smaller budget ones like this. Well, the thing I like, I like the technology in the movie. I, I like the plane, I like the drones, I like the bubble ship the that we talked about. Fantastic. The, 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 it's very uh, two thousand one. Like that kind of yeah. um, technology. I think it looks great. Clean, sleek, yes. modern, yeah, but futuristic. I liked the clone fight because it doesn't look like they did a lot of CGI. It doesn't play a big role in it. Yeah. it's There are effects in there because there's a scene where they're running at each other, running at the gun. But it, it's shot almost like they use stunt doubles and stuff like that, which I appreciate and they do it well. Yeah. Because I have a feeling like it, you could have easily gone the CGI route and it would affect it. It would have been like, you know what I mean? It like it looked like that movie where young Will Smith fights old Will Smith. Yeah. And it would have just been like, Oh no. Like, so I liked that. I thought the fight was done well. So yeah, no, that was another thing I enjoyed in the movie. I like the look of the movie, like the look of the world, not just the technology, well, the but Iceland, the look of the Iceland. The, yeah. 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 And that that's kind of, cause Iceland is like primordial earth. So it's almost, and that's the whole Jack's whole thing is it looks like earth is rebuilding itself mm -hmm. and trying to survive again. And that's kind of what I would imagine a rebuilding earth look like would mm -hmm. be Iceland. And I think that's really nice. And I like that he wanted, uh, Krasinski or Kaczynski wanted to shoot this in light. Well, yes, let's talk about so that. Sci-fi movies are shot in darkness. Right. So let's talk about, and this is going to be a long note here. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so the way they shot this film especially when they were in the uh, building set, the set was that they have real glass and mirrors and all these, uh, the, the sky set set up and it's a big, it's a big wide open set. Right. And they have um, the sky. They, they went to ice and they just shot sky footage and they projected it on a huge screen that had 21 monitors. Um, and so they went and just filmed for three weeks. They shot all this stuff and they're in a room. They're in one big room. There's no green screen. And the room has monitors all around the, the set. Right. And on the, on the monitors are what they shot, the sky footage. And that footage that, that you're seeing is what lights the scene as well. And it's such a awesome. It, 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 I, I think as a filmmaker and as someone who is, I, you know, obviously I've acted in commercials, but if I was an actor, I think it would just be awesome to just play off of, even if it's a digital back, you're watching a video. Oh, absolutely. You've got 10 times better than looking at a green screen. And, and like when you see some of the stuff in the, the behind the scenes stuff in Avengers and then just in a giant green room, I mean, Nothing's that's, real, that's yeah. not, a, that's not interesting. I mean, I can understand why people don't want to do those films. But look at, um, Ian McKellen when he's doing the Hobbit started crying. Yeah. Cause it's like, he wasn't acting with anybody. It was all just green. Yeah. And he's like, this isn't what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, exactly. The monitor thing reminded me of what's the name of what they do now. Disney has it. For uh, uh, yeah. Stagecraft. It's the same thing. They use LED monitors. The same thing. Right. And I think that's great technology because like you said, it's, it's so much more immersive and things are lit better. Things look better when you use stagecraft because right. like the entire, the tech 49 to tech 52 apartment sets, 
wouldn't look as realistic if you had to then insert reflections into every item. You would, it would, something wouldn't look quite right. Mm-hmm. You watch the first one and be like, oh, that looks cool. But with the, with the actual light and the right colors beaming off of all the metallic and shiny surfaces, it just adds something to the film as a whole. And the night scenes look awesome. Yeah. In that apartment. So I'm gonna give you this note. So if the Sky Tower set is what they they're using, is what is what they call that the, the house they live in. So it was built on a soundstage in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, so Kaczynski and, and Miranda, the cinematographer, um, you worked with visual effects house uh, Pixel Mondo, and they to establish the environment and the lighting. They used 21 front screen projectors aimed at a huge wraparound backdrop to form one continuous image rather than the usual blue screen or green screen backdrops. The backdrop consists of, of a single seamless piece of painted white muslin or muslin. Uh, so basically it's wrapped around the whole thing, enabled right. the full environment to be captured in camera and assisted in lighting up to 90% of the set. If they used the blue screen, they would have had to, and had been on the, for the glass house, the glass would have had, would have just disappeared in the blue lighting. And so they had to reproduce digitally in post-production. So they put the fit glass back in. It's like, so, and one of those is the actors enjoyed working in the environment as they could look outside and actually see the sunrise or sunset imagery. The technique allowed them to cut down on both the effect shots, which ended up being around 800 in total and the expenses, even the control table, which Vika operates mm-hmm. was filmed, then displayed on a large screen. So, and that's oh, obviously that's the precursor cool. yeah, stagecraft. Like Cruises says that the glass tower, the sky tower was one of his favorite film sets. I, could see I mean, that. that's yeah. just like, that's the, see, that's the thing. It's like, yes, you're make believe and you pretend to boil it down to sim- simplicity. Right. You make believe you're playing pretend, but you know what? You still got to give them the toys to play with. You, you right. Know, you put exactly. them, you know, like I get it. Like it's put them in a room and just pretend that, you know, Oh, there's a big giant monster there. But like at some point, like you do want something tangible there to play with. And I think that's great. One of my favorite things in um, Star Trek 2009 is, you know, they built the bridge, right. a full set that they could take pieces off if they wanted. But they had like the actors in like a behind the scenes thing go, and here's my de- here's my monitor, and they're playing with. It. They push the button, things actually appear on screen, and and another thing does that. And when Kirk touches touches his captain's chair, things appear different places. Yeah, they're work. It all tech. helps. It absolutely does. Yeah, the more you can do like that, the better. It it just helps the actor, the actress, you know. It just helps them get into the role. That's yeah. what you want to do. You want you want to play pretend, but you want it to make it as real as possible, especially in science fiction. Yes, agree. The audience is so much of the audience is like you have to suspend your disbelief, and you can't do that if your actor doesn't believe that, or right. if it just looks fake on screen. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. No. So I, that was one of the reasons also why I like this film is just knowing what went into it and knowing like how they shot it. Yeah. And the set, the Iceland locate locale, I think it all works well. I think it was just, it was just, they just made like all the right choices. Maybe that's the best thing I can say. Design wise. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. I love that. Sally is a tiny version of the bigger ship. (laughs) (laughs) What? Sally is just a tiny version of the Tet basically. Oh, right. Oh yeah. No, I, yeah, yeah, (laughs) I know. So, you know, speaking of that, let me read this note and I want you to, I want you to, I want to get your thought on this. Jack and Vicka symbolically represent the male and female aspects of nature. Here we go, Butler. The two columns of the portico of King Solomon's temple were the masculine Doric column named Jason and the feminine Ionic column named Boaz. Jack, Jason, symbolizes the male aggression principle, strength, generative force, the blade. And Vicka, Victoria, victory, the sacred feminine goddess of nature, like Boaz, the rose, love, beauty, the chalice. Just like Jack and Rose from James Cameron's Titanic. This is why the Tet, a feminine entity associated with Luna, the moon, is shaped like an inverted triangle, symbolizing the chalice, the cup, the womb, or the Holy Grail. 
What do you think about that note? I think again, <laughs> you're going far too into it. Not everything is this deep-seated. Look, it's a giant thing. womb. Yeah, no, no, it's a cool-looking old-school sci-fi design. A triangle is unnatural in origin, which makes it artificial-looking. That's why it's a triangle. It tells a Sally voice because Sally was the other voice, and it's interesting to have a bad guy who's got like a southern bell voice. Are you an effective team? I mean, come on, you're you're reading far too into that. Drink from the cup of Christ. Yeah, come on. <laughs> uh, I, it can't be nature and beauty when she also represents uh, an empath, not being able to pass through, not being able to move to. She represents the harsh technological world, whereas Jack represents nature. So. Boom! I just threw out your argument right there. I, I mean, I'd like to, I'd like to understand what Julia represents, but I guess that they didn't have time for that. In that note, <laughs> I don't think the screenwriter had time for that. <laughs> She's looking at that picture of yours again. I know. So yeah, Christina's world pops up again. Uh, the portrait of Andrew Wyeth, and if you want, listen to our Flyaway Home episode, we kind of go into that whole the 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 um the backstory of that of, that, yeah. of so. Like I researched that. I went and read a bunch of other stuff too sure. about how the 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 woman in uh, in Christina's world is someone who had a disease and suffered and she couldn't walk well and he was whatever. But you go to the flyaway home episode and, and listen <laughs> to that because we talk about it there. But the note in this was like, oh, uh, she had polio, so he just saw her one day. It's like you didn't. You, I was like, no bullshit, that's not right. So this is a bogus <laughs> note. You just guessed. So um, yeah. So that I saw that and they actually use it. It's it's actually use a lot it's like you know oh, it's the, a very famous painting right it's a famous painting they see it so here's the other thing too they see the painting in the last 20 minutes of the film right. and then he puts it in her whatever she's in the cryogenic thing whatever, yeah. and she opens up like you just saw this thing like we just saw it 15 minutes ago why do we care it means nothing to yeah you. yeah exactly it wasn't really symbolic for us at all so, right yeah. yeah i didn't yeah it would have been more symbolic if he was able to recover the flower in the can or something from earlier in the maybe movie, and like yeah that's what he left with her right something a reminder of him specifically uh well when he first shows up so at the end of the where do you think he is he's on the eastern seaboard right new york city yeah because he's yeah. in the chrysler building to do the right thing right. right but then he goes to um he goes in the beginning to the stadium yes and he, and he starts talking about the 2017 super bowl that took place in houston so and the description of the super bowl is bogus well, because it never happened. Right, yet. I know. Right. But I just, I thought that was interesting. <laughs> I read that and I was like, yeah, but they're just guessing, man. True, true. Because the, well, the present there is they would have, but they would have known the, the Super Bowl. Was yes, be at that point. But whatever, it's fine. They, well, they, I think they would have known. Is it five years out, four years out? I'm not sure. Because I know they have already have the other Super Bowls planned. So, yeah. No, I thought that was interesting. This film was shot in 4K. But then downgraded. It yeah, because the, and he wanted to put it, but 4K wasn't big at that point. It would have been too expensive for yeah, that reason. Yeah, right, right. Would look good in 4K though. Uh, well, I'm sure. I mean, I'm surprised it hasn't already come back out. Maybe I should have looked that up, but I'm surprised it's not out already. In Let's 4K. go. <laughs> it came out on HD DVD. <laughs> <laughs> so the poems we talked about the poems before that he's reading. He's reading the poem. Uh, he's reading Horatius from Lays of Ancient Rome. It's a collection of narrative poems, as they're called, Lays uh, by Thomas. Babington Macaulay. So those are the poem. That's the poem that he's reading. That's the book he has too. Right. But right. the ancient Roman who had last stand on the bridge. Right. And his last stand against Sally. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. Sally's letting him keep talking. It's like, Sally, just blow this guy up. You have a million other jacks. 
yeah, the, the, that technology is kind of convenient, too, because you couldn't scan that that wasn't a female in the pod at yeah. the end. Or you couldn't scan the fact that there's 10 fuel cells in there. So, <laughs> together. Yeah. You're reading some high energy. Reading, and I Jack. also didn't understand why he had to plug it in. Why don't you have it plugged in and ready to go? I mean, okay. I mean, it's a nice ending. You have, I like your line at the end. Oh, the last line is so great. Yeah. Fuck you, Sally. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's that's great. That, that's good stuff. Good to hear. Good to hear. But yeah. And, and the music towards the end of the film is really good. It kind of leads up to it. The music is right. good. The theme is really good. Right. It is. You know what I want to go back to? Because I don't know if this was my watching on HBO Max or if this was in the movie. We talked about the painting and they're looking at the painting. Was it flashing black on you? No. Okay. That was, it was my HBO Max. <laughs> because it was like, it was like, like going, oh, really? yeah. And I'm like, what is happening? Because then the next scene it stops. Right. But in the next scene, there's lights flashing. And I'm like, were they just saying that that was part of the lights? Like, because they were in the, the bunker the and bunker, it was yeah. losing power. Because I was like, this sucks. Why does it keep doing this? <laughs> but then it stopped. So maybe that was just me. Yeah, no, okay. I did not get right. that. Okay. You watched it on HBO Max? I did HBO Max as well, even though then I looked at my Blu-ray case and I, I do have this on Blu-ray. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Do oh, I? Oh, well. I don't think, I don't know. If I. You know what I might too? Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice job, Mike. Nice job. So one of my other questions in terms of nitpicking, I guess. <laughs> I know a lot of nitpicks here. Why does mission, why does command, why do they go offline? What's the purpose of them going offline? To give Jack a chance. Okay, to other than that, well, other than well, it goes for around plot the planet. Point. So she loses reception as she goes around. Why? Why does she go around planet? Because she's orbiting. It's a giant machine. It can't just stay still. Well, my guess is it, as it orbits, it's got other jacks and other things to collect from the rest of the planet. It's a computer for crying out loud. But it's taking all that stuff. All right, I guess. But again, that's convenience of plot because a big ship like that has got all these drones. It wouldn't deploy satellites, so it doesn't need that and has worldwide. It can control the drone that you said is not working. So exactly. I'm gonna see. Here's my thing. I'm assuming there's always a drone that's not working. Oh, so everyone's see, got that. I always drone? thought that. I always thought there was always a drone that's not working. Okay. That's underneath that they can't ever seem to fix. That's just ready to go. Ready to go when they need it because it was it. But it, but again, it wasn't still fully functional. I see. That's the thing. I yeah. They were able to control it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I didn't understand that. Yeah. But that was always my thought. That there was always that one drum and all the. That would have been cool to see, like just in the background, like uh, you see all 52's the ones. thing. Yeah. yeah. He's got the same exact broken drum. Close it up. Well, Vic is dead. I mean, I, that Vic is dead. Tech 52 <laughs> Vic is definitely dead. How is she dead? She's going to stay up there until she runs and out just... of food and water. And Well, well, now she is. Yeah, because, well, she would have seen the Ted explode. True, but so, then maybe she would have thought, "Oh, I've got nothing left." And well, her, her idea is that that's yeah, a space station. Yeah, that's our only way home. Right, everyone on there is dead, so now I'm the only person on Earth. Yeah. No. Well, then maybe these people that are roaming around are going to try to help these people that are up there and I say, "Like, hey, we'll see." But I think uh, Nikolaj, his character, like, wasn't a big fan of these other Jack and the. Oh, he was at the end. He was happy. He smiled. He didn't have his gear on. <laughs> but there's the other thing too. Like they show up there. I'm like, I'd stay. It's nice there. Where are you going to oh, go? Oh, absolutely. That's a yeah. little oasis. There's still all that stuff. Yeah. I was surprised that when Julia sees when her daughter points to yeah. the other kid, that she doesn't immediately grab her daughter. My first thing would be bluters, rioters, you know, other people trying to take my land. Maybe. Yeah. I'd be more like, I wouldn't be so inviting at first. Do you really think that they'd be like that? Yeah. After 60 years of being just 
Only because it's such a small only area. wiped out. It would depend on how many people there are in there. Well, she, but she also saw, she also knows them. Well, I mean, at the very, her very first reaction. Well, she was, Once, she was nervous, but yeah, yeah I hear but, you. Like, I, I would have grabbed my kid right away. <laughs> Run! <laughs> yeah. But then obviously then uh, the characters from earlier pop up, like uh, Zoe Bell's character and Nicolaj called Custer. Yeah, they're right so there. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's these guys. Let's still get off my land. <laughs> <laughs> Go to the other side. When I play my record player loud <laughs> all the time, all day, every day, powered by. Do you think all the jacks build homes like this? I think that's why 52 might have had an idea of he, something else that he had to have had a home like that. Because he even says, I know we had to have something. Okay. I just didn't know. I figured it must be here. So he's having those memories. See, well, that's the thing. I think 52's memories have kicked in because he saw her. Oh, he saw her. Yeah. Right. No, he really remembers. Yeah. And then he saw the other Jack. So he kind of gets a, a, a quick like regrow as opposed well, to. Well, I'm sure that they told Jack. him the, the, the business. Like this oh, is what's happening. Oh, after that, I'm sure they yeah. told him the yeah, rest. Yeah, this yeah. is what's happened. And he's, yeah, so. Oh, buddy. Here's, but also, so 52 gets tied up. By 49, as 49 steals his copter to get a med pack right. at his home base. Right. Julia is bullet wound dying 20 feet away from him. Yeah. And he leaves her? Maybe he doesn't see her because she's like underneath the rock. I guess. But where does he go? Yeah, I know. Just runs away. Runs away. He's like Desert Jack, too. Like, he has like the. Oh, he's got the yeah. handkerchief. That's he's, how you can tell. He's got the crappy world area. <laughs> you're part of the, you're the desert contingent. <laughs> yeah, maybe he's got a little desert oasis he has. Maybe, maybe. Or a cave, maybe, with all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, that would mean that he ran into the radiation zone. At some point, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's he, been three years. So, yeah, we're going to have to, you know. At some point, he's probably like, well, there's no more food in this desert. This desert kind of sucks. Yeah. Let me take my chances in this place. And the, and the 4952 is represent. Uh, I don't know if this is on purpose, but it, it's Tom Cruise's age when he did the movie was 49. He turns 50 during the film, but 52 is three years later. And this is three years later in the movie. And she sees 52. That's what it's supposed to be like, but whatever. <laughs> that, I, don't I think it was more incidental, but okay. I don't, I don't know. It's just that's what I'm saying. It's Could just, be. you know, whatever. Who knows, man? <laughs> <laughs> I know that uh, as a birthday gift, Kaczynski oh, yeah. gave yeah, the Cruise bike. the bike, the yeah. motorcycle dress, which is a pretty cool. Do you think that's in his contract? He has to have a motorcycle in every movie. He does like his motorcycles. I know he drives or his main motorcycle is a custom built. Yeah. By Scientologist. Uh, I can't remember the company, but it's it takes your height, your weight, your gait, all of that into account. And then they build the bike from scratch yeah. around you. Well, if I had, you know, billions of dollars, sure, I should oh, yeah, make my own, yeah. you know, my own stuff yeah. cool for me though. only. I mean, yeah, of but course. his bike only can go twenty miles. I think the, the bike the that they the have, movie. yeah, because they have to hide the gas tank, so it couldn't. Because they're tank. supposed to look electric. Yep. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they have electric bikes now. They do. A Black Widow in um, Avengers was driving the first all electric. Uh, what was that? How much that cost? Two billion. Uh, Eighty thousand, I think. I did just read that um, GE and Honda, Honda, are. Uh, coming together to build electric cars for under 30,000. So that's cool. affordable electric cars. It's like, all right, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Future is now, man. I'll tell you, I'll get one. I, I, I do want one. I, I do want one. One of the other things I wanted to bring up that I liked uh, was the, um, not just the technology. Obviously we talked about that, the shape, the, the, the bubble jets and the circular uh, drones and stuff like that was the sounds that was the, also the audio stuff. So like the way the drones talk to each other, the way the drone oh, yeah. sounds, I like that. 
I liked the in when they go to see the Tet in Discovery, there's an alarm that goes off. It's actually uh, it's from it's an actual TAWS alarm, which is a terrain avoidance warning system that is actually used in aircraft now. Mm-hmm. I, I just a lot of the a lot of the technical stuff I really dug. Maybe I dug the technical and the behind the scenes stuff a little bit more than some of the character and plot stuff, just because. We we just sat here and talked about it for about an hour or however it's long a good this is. General plot, but it's got a lot of conveniences to keep that plot going. Right, right. Although there's a lot of stuff that I do like on screen. I like when Jack is running in the when they're fighting the drones when the drones when they open the door to get out. Like oh shit, the drones are coming! Oh, like, yeah. yeah, so that was a little weird, but. When he jumps after shooting and it explodes and he jumps, but then the explosion push pushes him forward. Yeah. I liked that. I thought that was a pretty cool stunt. You know, he did that full jump himself. <laughs> of course he did. And that's probably why I like it even more. <laughs> Hopping over two of those rails as he goes. <laughs> I like when he cuts the, uh, when he's trying to go back up, when he's in the library and the scavs get him. Yeah. And he's going back up and then the line gets cut. Yes. And then he's slow-mo and he's just like, oh, yeah. no, and he goes down. I think that looks good. The only thing with that scene is that there were moments where I couldn't figure out where the action was happening because it, I, the way it was shot was so choppy that I was, I really wanted the camera to pull back a little bit or I have longer Takes, cuts, yeah. longer scenes because I didn't know it was, I don't know. Maybe they just had to do that to, to mask stuff, to hide stuff, Sure, but it was a little jarring and I was very not confused, but I was just, ah, what's happening? Where are they going? And so that they tried too hard to cover yeah. up the scavs. Yeah, maybe that was what they were trying to do there. I don't know. That that's probably uh, keep them in darkness. You go too far away so that you can't really see what's getting shot at or yeah. if anyone's getting hit. And just a couple more things because I just want to go through the notes. <laughs> Let's talk. So when Jack comes back after the the plant and they have dinner, okay, she throws the plant out and they have dinner that night. Sure. Why is she dressed up? And why is he just in a t-shirt? Like she's like super. It's like she dressed for dinner. And he's just like eh, whatever. I just because she's trying. She wants us to do something. Well, that's the other thing. Do we need the skinny dip? Do we need that? Does that need to be in the movie? It's, I love the pool. The pool I love cool. the pool's fantastic. But do we really need her getting naked? I think that's the last time you're gonna see. That's the last time you see him together before he meets his wife. So, so you're s- one more very intimate scene with someone who's not his wife. Sure. To make it more awkward when Julia appears. Okay. Like, I just don't know. If, I just question the skinny dip. But here's the other thing. When he goes into the water, he looks like he, he he's younger. and uh, But then he has that memory. And I'm wondering if once he pops into the water, is he having that memory? Is he part of that memory? or Because oh, then he wakes up. Out. Sure. Okay. Yep. Yep. So... I was wondering, like, okay, wait a minute, because he looked—I looked like they de-aged him. Now I don't think they did, but it just looked like that. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, wait a minute. Then he wakes up from the dream, I'm like, wait, shit, is that the dream? Was that the water? I, I also was curious. Yeah, about that that, that kind of yeah threw me off a little bit too. No, I did notice that. All right, but so this but this movie made a lot of money. It did, and so obviously when that happens, we always get blowback from people. <laughs> this isn't forgotten. Why? Why are you saying this is forgotten? Well, nobody really talks about this film. At the same time, we well, this film made a lot worldwide. It didn't make a ton here. Okay. And I do remember it petering out pretty quickly in theaters when it came out. Uh, and I think that part of that is the, is the plot. Part of that is the twist. Part of that is there are so many Tom Cruise movies. You know, love them or hate them. <laughs> y'all love Tom Cruise. Everyone y'all goes to see all them. his movies. So it's, it's, it's fun to rip on Tom Cruise, but you love his films. And Clearly, they all make a ton of money. 
and he makes a ton of films. So you, you're watching all those other films. You're talking about all those other films and you don't really talk about Oblivion. And it's interesting because he doesn't do that many sci-fi films. True. Minority Report. You think he does, but he doesn't. Yeah. Minority Report. This one. Live, Die, Repeat. Edge of, Edge of, Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow. And what maybe live, die, repeat, and repeat. No, he did another one. Before. One of the notes was he had done two previous to this one. Minority Report, the other one was one of them. There was another one that he did that was... Go ahead, continue. I, mean, I don't really know if I count Legend, but... No, I mean, no, 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 I was, no. Was, that's not what I was saying. <laughs> oh, War of the Worlds. Right, there we go. Yep. Sorry. But this is kind of high-concept sci-fi, and I also think that high-concept sci-fi like this doesn't really stick in the collective mindset unless it's star wars unless it's star trek unless it's aliens uh i think we kind of went into that a little bit in our crossover episode with planet comics with outland is that if it's a sci-fi story that's not a series it does kind of get forgotten about after a while and no one really talks about it maybe film lovers do it maybe sci-fi fans might talk about it every once in a while but the general population likes to stick with their franchises when it comes to sci-fi or high concept if you will I think maybe that's why it was forgotten. Well, this also is a movie that's a standalone. It's not a superhero right. film, like you said. So we are, we are definitely in the eight. I think we're coming to the end a little bit of, I don't think superhero films are going anywhere, but I'm saying, I think we're coming to the end a little bit of the idea that that's the only type of film you're going to see. I hope so. Um, that, maybe that's wishful thinking, but this is the type of film that you want to see. You want to see standalone films like this. Yeah. You know, this is like, um, I compare this in terms of the tech and just in terms of the feel of the film, the look of the film, I compare this maybe a little bit to the expanse, which is why we love the expanse so much. I love the expanse. So I think just that it's different. Like the, like I star Trek's fine and star Wars is fine, but the expanse is like not those. And that's why, you know what I mean? And it's done well. Right. So I think that's why I think we both uh, relate to it. Well, why we both like it because it's an, it's a, it's, it's a new, it's right, right. And right. it's not cause a lot, cause you can, sci-fi you can do wrong like you just do not wrong but it's it doesn't connect with you you right. know what i mean uh and there's pl i've seen plenty of sci-fi stuff where there's just no connection with me and i'm just like eh, this stinks oblivion has that connection so i think that's probably why i like it uh and i think it connected well with everyone else but i think you're right i think there is a because it's a one and done people tend to just kind of move on move on to the next cruise movie move on to the next sci-fi move on to the next big feature film which is usually superhero films and this right. is 2013 so they're iron man was out. 2009 and that's they, they're just cranking out now so uh it's just i it everyone saw it but and i'm sure everyone owns it but they don't really kind of go back to it that's the one thing with the forgotten films that we do <laughs> think it's still on someone's shelf wrapped up still probably oh, like our, 100%. Like on 100 streaming <laughs> on hbo when they have it shut up that's not happening. <laughs> but no i i think that a lot of these films people like and they buy, but they never return to. I think there's a real, if you really love film and you really love movies, you really need to watch the movies that you like more than once because there's uh, like, I'll watch Raiders all the time. Raiders of Lost Ark, not Indiana Jones, Raiders of Lost Ark. That's not what it's called. Uh, I'll, no, you're right. It's Indiana Jones <laughs> and the. No, no. <laughs> but like, I will watch, I'll watch Jaws again. I'll watch Close Encounters again. I'll watch all these films, Untouchables. I'll watch them again. Sure. You know, back to the future, because, you know, yeah, I've seen them dozens of times, but like, you know, I like them and, I, and going back to them, you just there's things in there that you missed before. But like a movie like Oblivion, I don't think people go back to enough and maybe because it's only been nine years since this movie came out. So maybe which just a little too soon. Maybe this film will start getting a resurgence in 10 more years and that could easily happen. And I hope it happens. But I think this is definitely a movie people should revisit. And maybe you'll have the same nitpick problems that we had. 
But that didn't stop us from still enjoying the film. Right. So I think that's, I go, that's my piece. Nice. <laughs> We're going where can they find us? You can find us at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. While you're there, check out all the other great podcasts that are there. Uh, you can also find us, like I said at the beginning, Spotify, Google Play, uh, YouTube, all that good stuff. Where you're listening to us right now, drop a rating, a review, subscribe. All that stuff helps our podcast grow. Uh, and that's what I got. Oh, join us in Forgotten Cinemas the Lobby. Let us know what you guys think about Oblivion. Join us next week. Uh, we'll be going to 2003. Well, a movie that I saw more than once, and I remember liking it the second time, but I didn't like it the first time. But I remember liking it really? again. I don't know. I mean, I'm not. I, I don't not like this film, but I have not watched it in a while. So, but I have seen it more than once. So, I'm talking about Timeline. Uh, we're doing a little time travel next week, back I, to the mid-eight, mid middle Middle Ages, right? Middle Ages. Middle I ages. have thoughts on this movie. So, oh, you don't like it? I do. You have thoughts though. What does that mean? is like they they missed uh, oh, okay so all right save it could, it, for, it could have been much better well why don't you go on to our friend uh laura john's uh, podcast why the book wins and you can discuss timeline with her she doesn't like jurassic park the lost world i can't talk to her about michael Crichton. she doesn't like did you like those books she didn't like the lost world well the lost world's written like a movie so i can understand and if you compare it to jurassic park i can understand why people don't like it because jurassic park is very technical very scientific, and it's a different. It's a much different animal than Lost World. At some point, Michael Crane just started writing books for movies. But Lost World has an awesome. We I've already talked about this. Lost World has that awesome scene with Levine in the high hide rolling down, and there's thirty raptors trying oh, to yeah. go at him. And they never recreated that in the movies. And Sarah Harding in the uh, dinosaur boneyard, the raptors coming after. Ribs yeah, but that, but but uh, but again, in the Lost World, the movie, they did have that scene in the double wide trailer, which I love. The double wide trailer is awesome. Yeah, I mean the the I will say that the CGI doesn't hold up great but that's fine you know right. with the glass but it's still a really good scene even though i don't like it when they do the stupid cheeseburger line but regardless of that okay <laughs> <laughs> anyways um so where was i next week timeline <laughs> butler has thoughts yes okay well we'll see you then i'm mike field i'm mike butler and this has been forgotten cinema Yeah. Are we an effective team? Are you an effective team? Shut up, Sally. You don't know. <laughs> yeah, you, you think that to? you think Sally would have camera set up to just watch him doing anything? <laughs> Sally, <laughs> are you a creep? I'll see you did it again. Are you an there? effective creep? You're not using the pool the way it was intended. <laughs> we have drones that clean that. <laughs>